All right, Alexander, let's talk about the Russian economy. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done an update as to what's happening in Russia on the economy side Mm -hmm. of things. And uh, things are looking good from everything that I'm reading. Um, I'm also reading that, uh, well, I'm reading, I read Putin's uh, statement at the virtual meeting with uh, with the other SCO members. And yeah. he actually said that they're doing a lot of business and a lot of trade with uh, the Chinese yuan, that's which right. is also interesting. I think he said something like 80% of the trade that's occurring now between Russia and China is taking place in yuan. So um, it looks like Russia has successfully pivoted away completely pivoted away from the collective West financial system. And they're, uh, they're reaping the rewards of that successful pivot. Other countries are interested and trying to follow suit. Absolutely. You're completely correct. And we've had a whole slew of economic figures now coming out. He had a meeting, Putin had a meeting with his prime minister, Prime Minister Mishustin, and they were talking about what the overall situation is in the economy. And um, if you remember, um, at the end of last year, the IMF said that Russia would probably achieve 0.7% growth this year, which is already a surprise to most people. In the first five months, it achieved 0.6% growth. In May, it was 5.4% year-on-year growth. And we hear that growth has been strong also in June and is likely to continue to be in July. And the um, PMI figures are really very strong. Um, In services, they're almost 60%. In manufacturing, it's between 50, it's around 52.5%, slightly fell back. But that's because of problems in the oil industry, which we'll come to in a moment. So uh, overall, very strong growth in the economy. Rising living standards a good harvest in other words um large amounts of um, food grown and very very subdued inflation inflation fell to around two point whatever it was percent um in june it's slightly gone up but as i said this is largely a statistical quirk because the inflation figures are distorted by the events of last year and overall the situation seems very stable and the economy is very rapid, growing very rapidly. Um, now, whenever I find myself talking about the Russian economy, I always get people coming along and tell me, but, you know, but look at the ruble. The ruble has fallen in value. And um, this suggests that there's all kinds of problems. Once upon a time, that would have been true. If we were talking about 2008, for example, or 1998 even more, a fall in the value of the ruble would have been catastrophic because, of course, Russia was importing goods. Factories were relying heavily on imported Western components and the entire financial system in Russia was based on, um, was integrated, very heavily integrated with the West. And if so, trying to maintain the ruble at a stable level was really important. And of course, in 1998, when the ruble devalued, the entire financial system crashed, the country teetered into bankruptcy, it had to default on its loans. And um, that created a major 
um, though actually rather short crisis in the economy. And in 2008, it was almost the same. Well, it is completely different now because Russia doesn't trade in dollars or euros any longer. It doesn't import goods in any great volumes any longer from the West. Russian factories do not operate on the basis of Western components, and Russian tourists do not travel abroad. So we're not talking, and of course the financial system is completely separated from the rest, West. So fall in the value of the ruble, which is entirely related, can I just say this quickly, to the decline in oil prices that has happened this year. And I'll come to that in a moment because that's an interesting story in itself. The, the fall in the value of the ruble is not affecting the domestic economy. We're not seeing any big increases in inflation. We're not seeing any pressures, any stresses within the financial system. On the contrary, the economy continues, as I said, to grow. And Mishustin talked about, he said that he now predicts that growth in the economy, GDP growth this year, is now definitely going to be well over 2%. So that gives you some idea of where things are going. Are there any uh, problems with, uh, with the Russian economy that you see right now? Well, I mean, if we come back to oil prices, oil prices have fallen, right, uh, have been consistently falling um, ever since the autumn. Now, this, has, as I said, has come as a bit of a surprise to me because I thought that when China reopened, oil prices would start to recover. And of course, the Saudis, who are much more affected by declines in oil prices, um, are very concerned about this. Um, the reason why oil prices are falling and have been continuing to fall, despite repeated production cuts by OPEC+, Plus production cuts which the Russians are only now, by the way, starting to implement. The reason oil prices have been falling, it's now becoming clear, is because Europe in particular, but probably the United States as well, are heading into a very big industrial recession. So that is dampening down oil prices. And because Europe and the United States are heading towards an industrial recession, Demand for Chinese goods is lower than it might otherwise have been. And that has meant that China also has been running into problems. Industrial recovery in China has been much weaker than expected. And all of this has had a cumulative effect on the price of, on the price of oil. Now, oil remains Russia's biggest export item by far. Become less important than it was, but it's still its biggest export item and the effect of the decline in the price of oil is that Russia's trade balance, its trade surplus, has fallen significantly, very significantly from last year um, when um, it was very strong and Russia's current account is only just in surplus. Now that is a matter for concern because the Russians don't want to be borrowing internationally, either in, you know, from 
the West, obviously they can't borrow from the West or from China or from anyone else in order to um, keep imports flowing in. So what the Russian central bank is doing, and I've no doubt that this is largely the work of the central bank, is that they're dealing with this problem by reducing, lowering the value of the ruble so that um, even if oil prices are low, the price that Russia gets for its oil in rubles remains strong. But lowering the ruble in that way probably does increase inflationary pressures within the Russian economy, though only, though only slightly. And I'm going to suggest, actually, that this is, a, this is in some ways an important story in itself, and it suggests that we might be looking for the Russian economy at a breakthrough year, because this is the first year I can remember since the Soviet collapse, when the Russian economy appears to be registering strong growth despite a global decline in oil prices. So that is, that is something unexpected and new. And it is a product of the very considerable industrial reorganization that has taken place over the last year. But it is also, I have to say this, a product of the very, very hard work that Putin and his team have been doing for the 10 or 15 years before that, that they've managed to create a situation where the Russian economy is no longer as interconnected with the oil price as it used to be. And uh, we have a new currency on the way from BRICS. So uh, I think this is a, a pretty big story. This is a huge story because it changes absolutely everything. Because, of course, when the BRICS currency is up and running, Russia's trade is going to be conducted in it. And what we're probably going to be heading towards is a system like the original Bretton Woods system in which all the <clears throat> currencies that are, all the countries that are trading with each other use this currency as their trading mechanism their own currencies will probably be fixed in some way to this currency but unlike the euro system capable always of upward or downward adjustment depending on whether they're running trade surpluses or trade deficits and that will that will change the entire system the entire the entire game plan and what we hear is that this is going to be discussed at the BRICS summit in South Africa in September and uh, we're probably not going to see it immediately but it is coming now very fast you said at the start of the program uh, Putin has disclosed that most of the most of the trade, eighty percent of the trade between China and Russia, is being conducted now in RMB, in Chinese currency, and in rubles. Um, we, China, uh, Russia's trade <clears throat> with India is also being conducted increasingly in rupees and rubles. Argentina 
has just repaid some of its debts to the International Monetary Fund in RMB, in Chinese currency. Interestingly, the International Monetary Fund accepted that payment. So we are probably within a year, two years, of seeing this new currency system up and running. Do you know where the whole world will be? Do you know anything back. about? Do you know anything about this this currency, or is it a currency, a basket of currencies? What, what, what do we know so far? What's the context to to this story? Because not much has been no um, revealed. At least I haven't seen a lot of talk about uh, the the actual mechanics and and, and the structure of this. It's all very, this, uh, all very private and very quiet. But um, the talk now is it's going to be an actual currency, and it's going to be backed by gold. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you go back to the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944, that was what J.M. Keynes actually originally wanted. He did not want the dollar to be the reserve currency. He wanted uh, the Bancor, as it was called, an artificial currency backed by gold to take uh, to be the reserve currency in which international trade was conducted. I wonder if this is uh, this is one of the reasons that Yellen is going to China. Well, of course it is. That's exactly why she's going to China. Um, the reason there is pressure on the administration, the Biden administration, to reverse course with China, why? There are people in Washington who want to reopen dialogue with the Chinese is because they're getting very, very worried indeed about these developments. And they want to see what the Chinese are up to and establish some kind of dialogue with them and see whether they can persuade the Chinese to change their minds about it. So that's that's why Blinken went to China. This is why there was talk about a summit meeting between Biden and Xi Jinping. And of course, it's also why Yellen herself is going to China. The problem is, the Chinese have now made it very clear that they don't trust Biden. They don't trust the United States. And given that they're putting so much work into setting up this alternative reserve currency, I can't really see why they would put all that work aside now and re-engage with the, with the Americans and return to trading with the dollar. Yeah, I think the Chinese learned their lesson with the whole Blinken affair, and then within 24 hours, yeah. Xi was a Xi Jinping was a dictator. I think the Chinese yes. said, "Okay, that's that's it. We can't deal with these people." And they even told Burrell, who was uh, scheduled to to visit China, they told him, "Don't even bother coming. Yes. <laughs> don't don't even get on a plane and and come. It's there's no need." Exactly, that's entirely so. right. Now there's going to be a there's going to be a period of great disruption because. This new currency isn't going to simply replace the dollar. I mean, the United States is not going to trade in it, and people will continue to want to trade with the United States. So we will have a situation where the dollar and this new currency will be functioning alongside each other, and that is inevitably going to create tensions. And I suspect what Yellen primarily wants to do when she goes to Beijing is she wants to get assurances that the United States can still pay for imports from China in, China in US dollars, in USD. Now, what will happen at some point is that the Chinese will say, they'll probably go along with that for a while, but at some point they will say, look, 
this system, this bank, this new currency, is the major system, the major currency used in international trade. You must join it as well. And that's probably where we're heading. Yeah, I'll just one, one more question, if you know. I imagine this currency is, is going to be just for uh, trade and transactions. Is this, we're not looking at, at another euro or a dollar. I mean, you know, we're it, not going to be going to buy a cup of coffee with this, with this currency. Is that, am, I, am I looking at this correctly? I mean, absolutely. And I think that's a point people do need to understand. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things going on with currencies. There's talk about digital currencies and all of that. We will not be seeing a digital BRICS currency backed by gold. I mean, this is not what it's for. It is purely going to be used in order to conduct international trade. Right. And uh, the bulk of that international trade, at least in the beginning, is going to be in commodities and in oil. And I would imagine that uh, if you have Russia uh, in on this currency, you have India in on this, China, I imagine uh, Saudi Arabia is going to get in on this. I imagine uh, Venezuela will get in on this. Iran is going to be in on this. This is a <laughs> Biden really really messed up. We're talking gigantic, yeah. mega gigantic mess up because uh, this is, I don't want to say the end of the dollar, but th this is going to really damage the uh, the dollar and, and the U.S. economy. Yeah, well, first of all, can I just say you're absolutely correct. I mean, initially it will be it will be principally commodities and big items. Um, what will happen is, let's say, for example, um, um, an airline in India wants to buy uh, Russian jets. We're going to see Russian and Chinese jets appearing. Um, the companies in Russia and China will export these um, jets to India. Um, the companies in India will then uh, pay for them, um, will pay for these jets um, in rupees, but the rupees won't go directly to Russia. They will be sent to the central banks in India. The central bank will then draw on its reserves of this currency, and that will be what will then be transferred to Russia, which will then be converted back into the local into the local currency, which will be rubles. So this is what this so is going to be: big items, big big ticket items, and commodities, oil, gas, wheat, metals, all of those things. But always remember, it's commodities and big ticket items that make up the bulk of international trade. So th th this is always the thing. Hence to, the petrodollar. Hence the petrodollar and all of that. So that is why you have a queue of, of countries wanting to join the BRICS because they want to participate in this, because they will need to participate in this in order to buy these commodities, these big products, the, you know, the, 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 the oil, the wheat, the metals, all of those things. They will want to be a part of this system. So that's why they're all rushing. They're all rushing to join because they've got word that this new currency is coming. And they want to be there to participate in it so that they can trade. They're making a political choice, 
but it is one born of economic logic. So you're absolutely right. It, it is a case of the United States no longer being able to do control the system of international tra trade in the way that it was able to do, going all the way back to Bretton Woods, because international trade was conducted in the US's own currency. And that is going to affect both the situation internally of the US economy. I think it will be liberating. I've said this many times. I think that the US will ultimately benefit, at least American consumers and American producers, even more will benefit from the end of the system. But that will take time and there will be a period of turbulence. But the oligarchs in the United States, if I can call them that, the globalists, all of those people, they will not be able, they will not benefit. They will see a massive reduction in their power and the United States will not be able to run unlimited budget and trade deficits in the way that it has been able to do for so long. So it will change the United States. It will change the system of international trade. It will end this period of American global dominance. And you're absolutely right. If you want to point at the person who brought it about, Joe Biden is the man. He has actually changed history. He has pushed history forward <laughs> at a speed uh, uh, that nobody might would could have imagined. And as I said, the credit goes largely to him. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> a historic figure. That a historic Biden. figure, exactly. <laughs> the the .com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Telegram, and Rockfin. And go to the Durad shop. 10% off. Use the code GOODDAY. Take care.